Inside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes, caught offside from a basement in the suburbs of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn. Das ist gut, Mr. Devaney. Bayern Munich, champions of Europe once again. How are you, sir? Das ist very good, which is uh, obviously the German translation for very good, clearly. Uh, I'm good, Andrew. Uh, we got a we got an interesting final. I don't think it was the barnstormer that people had predicted, but uh, I enjoyed it nonetheless. Yeah, you and I had both predicted 3-2, and it, was, it wasn't it was that. In a parallel universe, it could have been, uh, yeah. given given all of the chances that, that went by the wayside throughout this one. We will go through all of this in, in great detail. The match only ended about 20 minutes ago, so we've just kind of been sitting here collecting our thoughts, writing a few things down, and we figured we would just go. Emergency podcast, reaction podcast. A lot to get to. This was a really interesting game, so we'll talk about the game. We'll talk about some big-picture stuff about where these teams go from here, how do they make sure they get back to this point again next season, uh, some of your winners and losers from this Champions League campaign overall. Um, I'll start with this, JJ. Hansi Flick was a man who very few people really really knew who he was, it seemed like, maybe you know 10 months ago. Uh, and now he joins this group of managers that have won the Champions League treble, so a Champions League domestic league title and domestic cup. Uh, Luis Enrique, who did it with Barcelona in 2015. Yep, Heinkes, who did it with Bayern also in 13. Jose Mourinho with Inter in 2010. Pep Guardiola with Barcelona in 2009. And Sir Alex, of course, with Manchester United in 1999. And now Hansi Flick has taken this Bayern Munich team from what was a, a very weird place when he inherited them. Uh, it was not easy right from the start. There were a few bumps and bruises along the way. But my goodness, from a little bit before uh, the stoppage and then from everything since the restart, they have clearly, I, I really believe, clearly looked like the best team in the world. Um, and I know you mentioned this before we started recording. Jamie Carragher said this on the broadcast for CBS as well. There is something satisfying when a season ends where you feel like the best team did, in fact, hoist this trophy. Absolutely. I, I think from... From the defeat, the 5-1 defeat to Eintracht Frankfurt and the installation of Hansi Flick, it's not that they've won all their games. We've seen we've seen Champions League teams like Real Madrid in the last few years get by, get by spectacularly. And it's not like Real Madrid weren't a good side in those years, but there's no way you could say with any real certainty, this is the outstanding team playing the best football. I honestly think we've come to that conclusion tonight. And and that's in, that's that's great to see. That's kind of what you want the competition for. Um, Jamie Carragher is acutely aware he was part of a Liverpool side that captured the Champions League with Jimmy Traore in it and that finished, what, fifth right. in the in the Premier League. So yeah. so he's probably aware that he needs to attack that. He's seen that. the other side of this. He, ha- he has indeed. And, and we've seen it even with ourselves with, with Porto. And maybe even further back in 1991, was it, with Red Star Belgrade? But but definitely, Dave, he, he's got them playing football and he's got the team, as Rafa Honigstein pointed out in the, in the pregame, uh, functioning as a unit, getting on well. There isn't the same fissures in the side that there was. 
There isn't the same riffs. They're all working towards a common purpose. And he's got that nice mix, Andrew, of youth and experience right throughout the side. I do think in the first half that they rode their luck is not fair because they created their own chances. They hit the post with Lewandowski. But I think if we're to look at the PSG chances that went to begging, we had the aforementioned on this podcast standard Neymar chance, uh, the obligatory early, relatively early Neymar chance. I think it was 17 minutes. And then we had the, uh, you know, we had an inexplicable miss from Di Maria where he didn't even hit the target. And then at the end of the half, we had a worse miss from Kylian Mbappe, I think, in the 44th minute. Where I think he, it was in stoppage time of the first half. It, it mean, might have been the last touch of the ball had he scored. I mean, if you're going to assemble the most expensive and best stars in world football, you expect them to hit the target from there. But that aside... um, Hansi Flick has done an incredible job. But it's again, it's not that he's come in. I suppose we'd look back to Roberto Di Matteo in 2012 as that kind of coach, right? Uh, something of an interim, not, you know, guiding a team through and, and doing something with a team that was in, in not crisis, but in a transition. I think that's what you'd look at. But you can't say Roberto Di Matteo played good football. You can't. No, just, this, this is completely different to me. That that Chelsea team finished fifth in the league. Um, you're right. They won the Champions League, but like nobody looked at that Chelsea team as, as really even being in the conversation as the best team in the world. This Bayern team, for what they did in Germany and then in this competition, to go without a, without a loss or a draw. I mean, to win all 11 of their matches right. throughout a Champions League campaign, it's, it's dominance on a level that is rarely ever seen. Yeah, and and to but again for me it's to play in a fashion that's that is clearly being imposed by the coach and a way that everyone is bought into the high line and squeezing in and turning over PSG not allowing them to break out through uh, using your wide players as creative players in in Coleman and uh, Davies and Kimmich having good passers in midfield like Galacantara and then uh, Goretzky who can do a pass like he did against Barcelona, Muller. There's just a... They're complete. A co- they're complete, and there's a cohesiveness to what they do. It's not rank individualism. There is a team ethic, and Hansi Flick deserves all the credit in the world for that. One thing I, I couldn't believe when I was watching the um, the CBS pregame, um, everyone picked PSG. Because the narrative was that what what Bayern Munich were doing with the high line would be exposed. It was flawed to persist with it against PSG. But honestly now, who goes into a final and plays differently in a final? Like, if Hansi Flick was to completely depart and even do what I said, retreat 10 or 15 yards just as a a fail-safe against what PSG would do, that changes what they do. That means the balls that are won, uh, turned over, are turned over not as high up the field and aren't turned into chances. So it changes the DNA of the team. He was right not to do it. The key thing that um, Hansi Flick did tactically for me, and uh, I'm not saying I'm any sage expert, but I tweeted about it because I thought about it. Perisic didn't start. Kingsley Coleman started. And Coleman, Andrew, what would he do? We said spaces in behind the channels, behind the fullbacks, Davies and Kimmich, that was where PSG would look to exploit. Well, how about what Hansi Flick thought. He said, all right, 
But let's not change those two positions which have functioned great for us. Let's change what's up front and go more attacking, pin PSG in, give Carer, give the defense defensive players more to think about on PSG side. And you can't say it didn't work. Carer, um, Coleman wasn't perfect in that first half. He could have had a penalty. He scored the goal, the winning goal. Um, he was a constant. I, I felt he was a constant threat. Anyway, I thought he was the most effective attacker for large periods of that game for Bayern Munich. And um, you have to say Flick got that right too. Yeah. And, and, in and, fact, and, the only thing I questioned was when Flick decided to take him off. Me too. <laughs> because, me I mean, too. It was, look, the game was not by any means decided at that point. He had looked over that stretch of time. Uh, he had looked like maybe the best player out on the field. He had just scored the goal. Terror was probably thrilled when he saw Coleman going off to the sidelines. He took so, him off seven minutes after he scored the goal. Yeah, and I think some of that might have been a fitness thing. I mean, Coleman is coming back. Uh, and plus, when you know you have Perisic uh, who can come in, who when I saw the team sheets before the match, I thought, he's Perisic isn't starting? Yeah. I mean, he had been playing great in the lead up to this. I thought it was almost messing with a good thing, but clearly Flick knew what he had in, in store with Coleman. But rather than throwing out the whole plan and going 10 or 15 yards back, and that does make a difference. He He made a tweak. He made a personnel change that really worked out. Yeah, um, just kind of going through this sort of, you know, um, chronologically from beginning to end. Uh, one of the things from my early takeaways in this game for PSG, you're talking about before some of Bayern's tactical decisions. For me, it was a PSG one that raised eyebrows. And I wouldn't say they stuck with it necessarily the whole game. But okay. early on, I'd say the first, you know, 15 minutes or so, uh, PSG's, we talk about this all the time, their persistent decision to play out from the back and do so with virtually no success. It felt like such an accident waiting to happen. Um, they gave the ball away in precarious positions a couple times early in this game. I thought we might have been in store for an early Bayern goal that could have really shaken this up. The goal never came, uh, but clearly PSG were on their heels, I would say, pretty early on in this one trying to do that. I, I, w- I would concur with you. I've even written in my notes, Bayern press evident early on, a la Barca game. And I think the difference is that we are now in a world where PSG's defense is more stout than Barcelona's. So I, th- I think you're, but you're right. Um, and, and I think it's fair to say as well that PSG weathered that early press quite well. And suddenly you had a confidence creeping into PSG a little bit where you saw uh, Paredes in particular finding Mbappe with those balls in behind uh, Kimmich. And I think, Andrew, if PSG had gone in at halftime with a goal or a couple of goals, that wouldn't have been unfair. So this was, we're talking about notes that we wrote down. This is where I wrote down what my turning point of the match was. Okay. So like I said, those first 15 minutes, PSG looked a little bit shaken and rattled by the Bayern press and by their decision making to play out from the back. It was just it was not going well, but then things did open up. 15th minute, Mbappe found some space on the left, uh, wasn't able to get the shot off. I think the shot was blocked. 18th minute again, Mbappe, space on the left, plays in Neymar. This was the obligatory early Neymar chance you were talking about. Great save from Neuer, PSG. Yeah. The counterattack is starting to look dangerous. Like It seemed like they went away from the playing out from the back. They started playing some longer balls and finding Mbappe quicker. It seemed like it was more you know 3v3 type situations. Um, yeah. So you, you had these chances beginning to open up. Uh, 23rd minute, PSG counterattack dangerous again. Di Maria, this is the one where he fired over the bar. 
um, where he missed the net completely. But it felt like that stretch, that 10-minute window from about the 15th when they weathered the early storm from Byron through the 25th, um, where or the 23rd when Di Maria missed that chance, and then the 25th even when Boateng went off with the injury, you started to think PSG are getting chances fast and furious here. Bayern just lost a defender. Um, the fact that no goal came for PSG in that 10 to 15 minute window, to me, that's a turning point. Uh, that game could have completely turned had they been able to get even one uh, in that stretch of time. They didn't. Bayern weathered the storm, and then for the rest of the match, it, it was. You know, up through the the Coleman goal, things were very even. Um, but that was the one patch of time where I thought like PSG did look like the better team, and they were not able to benefit from it. There was that amazing two minutes where we thought the game was going to explode, and and you talk about it there on twenty one minutes. That was the Lewandowski, the ball from Alfonso Davies that he turned on quite sharply, considering the height of the bounce of the ball, and he scuffed his shot. But Navas is struggling to get across the goal, and it hits the post. But straight away, like you said, Di Maria has that chance. Really quick feet from Herrera. Andrew, I thought first it had gone so high that Neuer had tipped it over. Yes, I thought the same thing. But no. Uh, <laughs> he, leaned, he leaned back so much when he struck that ball. And it just flew over. And I thought, okay, all right. But PSG for me were, were on top in that period. We also saw... Um, Alfonso Davies kind of get pinned back a little bit. I think, was it Kerrer he fouled and he got yellow carded actually quite early in the game. And it's amazing. It didn't really affect him because you get your fullback on a yellow card early in the game with someone attacking him. You think, hey, we can make hay on this. He's going to be more cautious. But it, it, in the end, it turned out to be nothing. But yeah, PSG were dominant. And, and, and I suppose, yeah, Lewandowski had that header Remember the one where he's kind of arching backwards, but it's straight yeah. at Navas. Navas could have caught that. Maybe, but I, I did want to mention that header. Look, Lewandowski did not score in this game, so his streak ends of consecutive Champions League matches with a goal. Um, however, like that header in particular, and they did note it, uh, Jermaine Genus talked about it during the broadcast, um, it, it was kind of a glimpse into just how great a player Lewandowski is because not only the the spacing in which he found a way in between the defense to even put himself in position to get to that, but I think it was Goretzka who kind of deflected uh, the initial ball in. And like the amount of time from which it plays off of Goretzka's head to Lewandowski's, it's, it's that. Like it, it's eye blink. And yet Lewandowski was still able to like change the – the direction of his head, crane his neck on the on the drop of a dime to even give himself a chance to get to that and not only get to it, but still put it on target. Now, like you say, it does go right at Navas, but like you know, a, a lesser goalkeeper maybe just parries that back and a rebound is converted. Who knows? Just the fact that Lewandowski could even get his head to that ball and put an accurate attempt on that. He's incredible. He is incredible. And also those those workout programs that himself and uh, Goretzka appear to have been on. I mean, Goretzka just got ripped in the in the case of like three months. He's huge. Oh my God. But yeah, it, but they showed pictures of him towards the end of the Bundesliga season in March and the return of the Bundesliga season in May. And Andrew, that's not a long time. He is in serious shape. He just was eating the weights. He was getting after big style. Eating um, the weights. <laughs> The big thing for me in a turning point was the 44th minute and the mistake by Alaba that allowed uh, PSG the opportunity. It was a back and forth. Was it Was it between Mbappe and Di Maria? Mbappe wound up taking the shot. Andrew, he's got to score. Yeah. He's got to score. And um, Roberto Martinez was talking about this afterwards. And he, you know, he said, 
top and bottom of this game, you must take your chances. In a final like this, you must take your chances. And that feels like the glaring one. If, if, if I'm a PSG fan looking back at this, that's the head in the hands moment. Yeah. If I had to like label this final with kind of like a nickname, it would sort of be like the, I expect better from him cup. Like I felt like there were just a lot of times in this game, whether it was Di Maria, Neymar or Mbappe, specifically those three, Mm. there were just a lot of moments where I kind of found myself saying, Oh, I expect better from him. And I felt like I just kept saying it and saying it. And eventually that just kind of is like what I'm going to remember this game as for PSG. It's not, will, that they were, it's not that they were bad necessarily. There were just moments where I expect better from him. Well, with that phrasing, I, I, I and I don't want to psych- psychoanalyze you, but with that phrasing, I feel as if this comes from your, your childhood. This should be called the Andrews Mother Cup Final. So you're saying that this is like I expected better from something you, from my past that has now crept out through PSG. I'm projecting. You're projecting onto them. My Mommy. inner insecurities. Mommy, I got a B plus in history. I expected better from you. Yeah, a buddy of mine used to, um, when he would get a test, he'd bring a test home, be really excited. I got a 94. And his dad would always say to him, hmm, where'd the other six points go? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. You could get a 99. Oh, what happened to that other point? Mm, I Oof. hope that doesn't, yeah. Down the line, I think a little bit of talk therapy would be needed if if you heard that from your parents. Yeah. But um Major incident at the end of the half. Uh, yeah, so this is. I was going to ask you about this. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, so um, it's Kerr on Coleman, that little battle that was that was kind of going on on that flank. Uh, Coleman goes by, and there is arm on back contact, and it's not grappling. It's nothing like that. It's a falling forward by the two players, and Kerr. I don't want to say he fells Coleman, but Coleman goes over. I was actually okay that that that, that wasn't a penalty. Me too. Mm. Me too. Uh, and look, had it been called one, uh, I would have understood it. There is contact. But boy, to me, it feels like Coleman goes down easily. And this yeah. is just, I know that, you know, generally I'm kind of somebody who's in favor of calling every game the same. If it's a foul in the first day of the season, it should be a foul on the last day of the season. Um, but damn, like there's something about a final where you just, if you're not sure, then to me, it's, it's not like if he goes, he goes down so easily there that I'm just kind of like, no, nah, not, not today. Like yeah, you're going to have right. to earn it. You're going to have to, in, in a cup final like this, you're just going to have to earn it a little bit more than that. I agree. There has to be more in it. I think the referee took a moment. The VAR did not intervene and say this is cl- a clear and obvious error on your part. And I, I think between them, they got it right. I, uh, I was glad the referee took that moment. It, it would have been, I won't say easy. Maybe I'm thinking of Mike Dean here, which is unfair. But if, if that were Mike Dean, I feel as if the hand is going straight out and pointing towards the penalty spot in a very, very amateur dramatic style. Like he couldn't wait to give it. Yeah, like... Yeah. Pointing straight away. <laughs> um, yeah. So nil-nil at the half, both sides with chances. Uh, the note that I wrote down at the end here from that first half, my takeaway was that PSG were looking better and, and more dangerous on the counterattack. Uh, like you said, Bayern were good too. Could have had the penalty at the end. Lewandowski hit the post, had the header on frame. Um, 
but it seemed to me at the half that PSG should have been feeling pretty good about where they were, wasted opportunities aside. They were getting these chances that seemed to be a little bit more of a, of a high-quality nature than some of the ones that, that Bayern were getting. Uh, I think so. I'll tell you what, let's take a, a very quick break. When we come back, we'll look, uh, of course, at the, the second half and how this all played out, including the goal that decided it, the Champions League final. 1-0, Bayern Munich are your champions. Don't go anywhere. Oh, back now, caught off side. So like I said, JJ, nil-nil. We begin the second half, and for however, nah, frenetic's not the right word. The second, The start to the second half was slow. Right. It was slow. It was about 15, 13, well, I was going to say 15 minutes. The goal happened in the 58th. But everything up to that, it was about 13 minutes of not a lot happening. I think the term that they used on the broadcast was cagey. Cagey is the classic trademark term for a Champions League final. By the way, most finals in soccer are bad. We should note that. Manny, manny finals are not what you're right. You're right. However, has that been the case recently? Like I'm trying to think. So the World Cup final was was not bad. That was exciting. The World Um, Cup. How did the World Cup final go? Remind me again. Wasn't it four two? There was uh, things happened in that. That was a A lot happened. That was Uh, better. The Champions League final last year was 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 an awful game. Bad game. But Uh, the year before was was also a a great game. A lot happened in that one too. The Liverpool Real Madrid final. Um, The European. The last European Championship final was pretty bad. Uh, Portugal right. just kind of shut that game down. Yeah, that was a terrible game, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah fi- finals have that. My very first final that I watched was the World Cup in Italia 90. Yeah. You no one reference that. Oh, just stinks. Drek. And the first European Cup final I watched was Red Star Belgrade and Marseille. Marseille were this sexy team, the French team from the coast. It was going to be amazing. They had Chris Wall or they had. Uh, Jean-Pierre Papin and they had uh, Abidi Pele and all these guys. It was going to be great. It was terrible. It was awful. My God. In fact, if someone had said, we're going to cancel soccer because this game has been so bad, I would have been, guys, go right ahead. You've got every right. Right. I don't like it, but I understand. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But then in the 58th minute, the goal, the goal that we had been waiting for arrives. Bayern on a counterattack. Kimmich plays in a perfect ball to Kingsley Coman, heads it in. Um, Carrer seemed to be just a bit tied to the ground, a little got bit sucked, spun around. Got sucked underneath the flight of the ball. It can happen. And then you're backpedaling into the player and he's got the advantage. And um, yeah, he did well. He It was a bit of a closed eyes effort, but it went in. Yeah, uh, he did what you're supposed to do, right? I mean, had it back in the, the direction it came. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then, so now it's 1-0. And I guess if this was like, to watch what transpired in the moments, uh, in the minutes after that, um, if this was some kind of like boxing match here, if, if this would be like in the eighth round, you know, PSG were knocked down, got back up, but were clearly rattled and just like shaking des- desperately needed uh, the round, the bell to be rung at the end of the round, because in the 61st, uh, 61st Coleman, again, this was his stretch. He owned the game for about a, a six to seven minute period after he scored the goal. 61st made a, a brilliant cross into Lewandowski, but at the last moment, an incredible uh, kind of diving header from Kimpembe to uh, to send it out of the path of Lewandowski, who surely would have tapped in uh, for a goal. Then in the 62nd minute, another great ball to Coleman at the back post. Uh, gets off the shot, but Thiago Silva clears. You could say, I don't know, they seem to be pretty definitive on the broadcast that it was going wide. Probably was, but still good play from Thiago Silva. Heads up to, to 
leave no doubt. Uh, but those minutes there from the 58th to the 62nd, it felt like Bayern were coming fast and furious. And PSG, again, credit to them, they did weather the storm there. They certainly did. There was a substitution that kind of, and again, someone tweeted at us. I can't remember who it was, but it was, it was kind of a good good tweet that got me thinking. Was there anything Tuchel could have done? Was it, you know, like, was was there any way you could lay the blame at his door? And I just thought in the first half, uh, Paredes, he played some really, really good balls into Mbappe. And, you know, he is a perceptive passer, the ball. And he was replaced on 64 minutes. So three minutes after the goal by Verratti, who's not, he's not for me. He's not as, as, he's a good player, but I don't think he passes the ball in the same fashion as, as Paredes. And I, I just wondered, I wondered, Andrew, did that seed a little bit more uh, ground to Bayern Munich? I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of parsing through it a bit here. Maybe not. Um, Neuer denying Marquinhos. That, that was, that was huge. Yeah, what a what, good save that was. It was a great pass from Di Maria to play in Marquinhos. Who, look, it's not the easiest angle that he's coming at it from. Uh, no. And I think he does everything he's supposed to do. It's a decent attempt. Neuer was sensational. In this game, he was he really was um, a, a few huge saves, none bigger than that one. That was in the 70th minute, um, and his angles, Andrew, the angles he takes. I know we talked about that in the Leon game, how he he stays on his feet, he's he's in a high position, and he makes Memphis Depay do something. He doesn't he doesn't jump in; he just stays big. On this one, if you look at his technique, that that kind of how how would you describe it? Inverted knee. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was a similar stance. So it, it's about closing off the gap between your legs, but also making your body as big as possible. But it's it's an awkward position to suddenly flash. And it came up trumps for him twice, first in the first half against Neymar and then on the Marquinhos chance. He's um He's a brilliant goalkeeper. Brilliant goalkeeper. Yeah, and it was on full display today. Uh, 73rd minute, I had written down that I thought maybe momentum was starting to shift a little bit back to PSG. Neymar played a great ball to Mbappe, who then tried to kind of turn through several Bayern defenders. Nearly had a penalty himself. At first, they kind of dismissed it, but then on I the replays, you thought maybe. But again, it's another one of those where I'm fine with it not being given. Yeah, and I think he'd lost control of the ball at the time that there was like contact. Not that that's necessarily a total demarcation line but it was well away and and i think they got it right yeah but then from that moment on you didn't Nada. really see anything from psg one last gasp in like uh the 92nd um bit of a scary moment for Bayern when neymar played one into uh to chupa Montang, who kind of just whiffed on it in front of goal would have been difficult it's kind of at maybe a little bit of an awkward height for him to try to flick in uh if he converts it it's <laughs> it's a, a goal that will never be forgotten yeah um but that was really that was that really was pretty- it. It just felt like PSG kind of ran out of gas. And and that's I don't I don't want to just say that because that's kind of doing a bit of a disservice to Bayern, who were just strong defensively. They lost Boateng, but there was no drop off whatsoever no. uh, when Sula came in. Um you know, they think- were they were very strong. There was a, a moment, you know, there's a moment in a game which just defines everything for you. And it's Bayern sitting on that high line, almost on the halfway line. And I believe it's Neymar. And he goes to pick this pass, Andrew, that's going to play Mbappe in if it makes it. And who steps in and intercepts it? Alfonso Davies. Just reads it, gets it. High line be damned. We are still better than you. 
and gets it and up the field they go to launch the counter and it summed the game up for me i think i think Bern to- i think they in the end thoroughly deserved their win uh you know psg will have recriminations about the the missed chances in the in the first half but honestly um i don't think you can argue with the result in the end so what is your story of the game then what's kind of like the theme from this that we'll remember i i'm not i'm not I'm, i i don't know I, th- I think for me, it's that Munich system and the, the way Bayern Munich play was was just sticking with their principles, playing the way you always play, not changing things to suit a star-studded team like that. I, I wouldn't quite go with what Jamie Carragher said was um, a team versus better individuals and the team won. Mm. I, subs- I subscribe to that slightly. I think, I think Bayern functioned better than PSG as an outfit still. I still think there's a lot of PSG requires off-the-cuff things from their front three. I think they're stouter in defense. I think the midfield is still improved, but I, I think functional, as a, as a functioning unit, I think Bayern Munich are better. I, I, I do, and that's, Maybe. The, that's, the story, that's the story for me, Andrew, because look at, look at Di Maria, look at uh, Neymar, look at um, Mbappe. Like this, this, really expensive team that's been put together. This team has underachieved and I think it's been hard for managers to impose a system on the team. Like Klopp has a system at at, at Liverpool. You know, there's a system at, at teams like Borussia Dortmund, even if they don't excel, there's, there's a pattern of play. And I'm not saying that PSG don't have it, but I do think that Bayern Munich as a unit are just more cohesive. I, I can't get away right. from that. Well, I would. you said a lot there, so I want to react to two of those things. The first thing being, um, look, I, I think that you can say that Bayern uh, are a better unit, are, are a better yeah. team. Like That's fair to say, but I don't think that like that can be true without needing to also say that PSG are a team of individuals. Bayern can be a better team a better unit than PSG but that doesn't mean that PSG are a team of individuals like when I watch I don't know when I watch PSG play I I don't think that it's that Neymar team you know I think Mbappe is is world class I think Di Maria like you said uh last week he's kind of been like the the star who has re-arisen in this tournament watching him again you've kind of been reminded how how great a player he is you know, I think their their midfield is strong, and and I think defense for them probably doesn't get enough credit. I know Carrar was you know kind of on his heels at moments today, but for the most part, they played a Bayern team that were just steamrolling opponents, and they held them to one goal uh, on another. Like for PSG to do that, if I told you coming into this Bayern are only going to score one goal, you'd probably think PSG were going to win. Yeah, I... and then the other thing that that you said there that's very interesting to me is this is going to get this is going to be tricky to say that. PSG clearly underachieved. Do you mean on this day or do you mean in the fact that they did not win the Champions League? Because if that's the bar, if it's anything short of a Champions League is underachieving, I understand why people would say that because of how this team, you know, the money poured into this team. Bingo, uh, bingo, but, that's it. But but I also think that that's, that's a little, like, uh, look, a lot of money a lot of money can be poured into a lot of things uh, into a team, but like, right. But, but Bayern are, are, are a tremendous team too. So like to, for PSG to lose to Bayern, I don't know. Is that, 
Is there shame in that? PSG yeah. probably weren't supposed to not win the shame. Shame's not the right word. Um, Andrew, th- it's not just a case of the players that got together. They've got one of Europe's brightest young managers to, Im- to impose what I talk about, a system that can get the most out of these expensive talents that they have. And and it's still not there. It's still not worked. They're still not cohesive enough for me. I don't think there's anything outrageous in saying that. And and to look at that as failure, considering 12, a, a decade of such investment, such unbelievable investment, We've only seen something similar in uh, at Manchester City that can compare to it. So, yeah, it's failure. It just, uh, again, I get why you would say that, but it just feels like but we've, we've all been saying for a while now that Bayern Munich are the best team in the world. PSG nearly, they got to a Champions League final and nearly beat them. It's just, it, this is their first time they've reached this point. Like this is, a, this is, these are big steps forward from where they've been the past few seasons. It's just, to call this failure, I don't know. It just feels harsh. I, I think if you look at the collective of players that they have, I think Bayern have systematically, cohesively, everything they've done made this team. Hansi Flick has made this team function and work. And I don't like you could say, do they do Bayern have the best player? Do Bayern have the best, like, say, center backs in the world? Probably not. Boateng, Alaba. No, probably not. All right. Do they have the best? They have one of the best strikers in the world in Lewandowski. Probably but like, the best look, right now. Yeah, and look, but look, look what they've done in, in like other areas as well. They haven't just gone out and bought the best, you know, that the most outstanding talent. I mean, PSG have gone and taken the glaringly obvious talents, and they and spent all that money, and they still can't get over the line. I, I that's it's, it's hard. It's so hard to get away from that with them. It's hard for me, anyway. <laughs> you, the scene, you you have lost the ability to analyze them in any other way than than financially. No, I can analyze them football wise, and I, I, but that is it though. They still don't have a, a you know, I, like I said, I think they're stouter, they're better at the back than they were. I think they're better in midfield than they have been. I, I and I think they're up front. They're amazing. They've got brilliant players, but still not good enough. I don't know what what Hansi Flick has done in half a season, you know, is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, and the fact that PSG couldn't answer that—I mean, it was a limp ending. It, they didn't score. Not they didn't score. Think about that. Put it in those stark terms. That front three or that attacking unit did not score. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's actually the uh, it's actually the first time that PSG were shut out in the Champions League since April twelfth, twenty sixteen. Against Manchester City, it's a lot of it's. It's been a while, yeah. uh, and they certainly picked an awful time for that to uh, to and rear it, its head again. And look, what what is JJ saying? If if any one of those two, or maybe two of those chances went in in the first half, what am I saying? Am I am I maybe I'm changing my tune? Of course, it's all, but but we can do that for Bayern as well in this of game, course. and we can do that in every single game that. We watch. Every team has close chances that go by the wayside. Um, Let's take another break here. When we come back, we'll kind of do big picture, just looking at this tournament as a whole. Um, I know you have something interesting about the single-legged nature of this tournament. A lot of people seem to enjoy it, and some people seem to be wondering if there's a future for that. Um, Well, the, the debate about it, we thought, had been nipped in the bud. It wouldn't be happening, but apparently that's not quite the case. Yeah, so don't go anywhere because we have more on that. Be right back. 
Back now, caught offside as we kind of bring it down the stretch here, reviewing the Champions League final. Bayern Munich are your champions of Europe for the sixth time. Uh, one other thing I wanted to say about PSG um, and Neymar specifically, who by his standards, he did not have a great game today. Um, I don't believe he had a single shot on target or a chance created, uh, which for him, it's you know, it, it's it's going to be pretty hard for PSG to win when uh, when that happens. There had been some back and forth over what lay ahead for his future, whether or not he was happy in Paris, whether or not he wanted to go back to Barcelona, which right now would seem impossible to believe that that anyone of his stature would want to go into the fire at Barcelona. Um, at least for the time being, it seems like any discussion of Neymar going anywhere has been put to bed. Uh, this was from Neymar's own agent. Um, who says Neymar is happy and I think he will stay at PSG for at least two more years. Uh, today, uh, and then he goes on to say, today, without any doubt, it is easier for Messi to go to PSG than for Neymar to return to Barcelona. Um, so, you know, the news cycle changes quickly, but for now, at least, we have no reason to believe that Neymar is going anywhere and his name shouldn't really be a part of the upcoming uh, transfer window rumor mill. So, PSG, for whatever for whatever you think of them, they they have every reason to feel uh, that they should probably be back in this situation again next season. Yes, I would think. Well, I would think so anyway. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens in terms of, you know, the clamor will be or the expectation will be they'll go to the transfer market and and improve things or try and improve things. So there, there'll probably be more money spent in this, in this effort to try and, and climb to the top of European football. But I'm curious as to what positions they look to strengthen in. And well, I think it has to be, and this is so cliche. We say this all the time with every team, but I think it, it's going to have to be central defense because I think this was probably Tiago Silva's last game for them. Um, right. So they're going to have to so, do something back there. So a partner for Kimpembe is, is bit, is basically what we're looking at. Essentially, yeah. Something. Maybe that. I mean, does Bernat survive another season? Maybe they'll want to upgrade at the fullbacks, considering how the way the, the the way the game is developing. I don't know. It's um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, they're not perfect, and no, like we said they they'll spend. We know that. Um, but uh, for those out there believing that Neymar could be some sort of departing member of this club, I. I wouldn't expect that to be happening. Financially, don't see how it's going to work. And uh, if you're Ronald Koeman right now with the task he has at hand, as good a player as Neymar is and as happy as it might make Messi, um, the money probably isn't there to to try and figure that out. No. No. You wonder, would uh, Barcelona and PSG, like let's in a, in a fantasy, in like a fantasy soccer world, uh, would they trade... Messi and Neymar straight up. Like, who would be the winner in a trade like that? I, I, th- I think Barca are the winner in a trade like that. Wow, personally, <sighs> JJ taking shots at the world's greatest player. No, he's 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 fantastic. But what do PSG now need? A thirty-three-year-old from whom you have to build a team around and who won't run. You know. Yeah. I mean, if you put legs around him, I, I keep saying he can still play at Barca, but you you have to put enormous legs around him. And um, yeesh, yeah, I, I don't know. You've you've had it, it's an interesting fantasy, though, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, it's the uh, the general manager in me. 
Well, I've been reading the Spanish press and uh, over the last few days, and some of them have been saying, this is indeed the end. Messi is closer to the exit than he is to staying. I don't where, believe that. Where's he going? <laughs> where's he going? Newell's old boys. He's going to go, he's going <laughs> back to go home back again. There. He's going to go home. Potch is going to go home and manage him to a Corporal Libertadores. Now that would make the FIFA Club World Cup much more interesting. <laughs> you, Andrew would suddenly be going around in a Newell's jersey. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I mean, look, we always talk about the list of teams in, in which a player like him can go to. Is, you can count them on one hand, right? Like it's it's PSG, it's Manchester City. Um, can you imagine if Juve went out and got Messi and, and Ronaldo on the same team? There was uh, a Messi, Messi to Inter rumor. Is is that what Inter need? I mean, they'd sign up for it, don't you think? I mean, they need something. They were dreadful in the Europa League final. Still almost won it. I know, but Sevilla, wow. Sevilla know how to win this competition. Every yeah. year they set out to win the Europa League. They've got yeah. a stranglehold on this. But it's so it, it, it amuses me endlessly, the difference in, in, in revenues and, and financial might of the two clubs. And they start, Lopetegui starts uh, uh, Luke de Jong, Starts him and he scores two headers. I mean, and all all the Ericsson, Christian Ericsson has sprung from the bench and they still can't manage it. That was an incredible game. Uh, let's see. So I had mentioned this before we went to break here that um, a lot of people found the way that this tournament transpired from a structure standpoint to be really fun in that the single leg nature kind of made the importance of each game, you know, double, however important it would have been previously. Um, it kind of added a sense of drama to each game. And I think the fact that these games were played in such quick succession, like a world cup or a Copa America, um, you know, it, it, like each game, the memories of each game were fresh in everybody's mind. Um, so this was, you know, the circumstances were awful, in which they had to go this way. And, you know, Casper Schmeichel was talking before the game about how, you know, he's looking around the stadium and it's empty and it's in a sad way that's become normal. And and I hate that. I hate that it's like not even a thing anymore that a Champions League final was played today in an empty stadium. And that's yeah. just like a thing that we're not mentioning until almost the 45th minute of this podcast. Uh, it's become a sad reality. But in all of this sadness, some cool things did develop and, and you know you wanted to you had something there about the the single leg, and yeah. uh, if that's something that could catch on. So so friend of the pod Adam Crafton tweeted this on August sixteenth. He said uh, Champions League and Europa League clubs to lose millions in rebate from TV and sponsors after format change. So the they're losing money right now from this tournament the way it's been set up. There's a clamor of European clubs to persist with a, a clamor from European clubs to persist with one-leg knockouts after a week of drama. The bigger clubs are opposed to it due to the impact on pay TV and already stretched calendar. But Adam tweeted today, uh, UEFA president Serafin confirms to the Associated Press, and something of a U-turn, I guess, that UEFA will hold talks about keeping elements of single-legged format as first revealed by The Athletic last Sunday. What does that mean? I don't know what elements means. I've got Seraphin here and some audio if you want to listen to it. Sure. I have to say that this system of one match uh, seems uh, more interesting to me 
than than the other system with two leg matches. But uh, again, it's it's much too early to say anything about it. Let's see because Champions League is was interested before, uh, interesting before. It it's interesting now. It's quite a, uh, a nice uh, uh, experience if you have to uh, think about changing something that works well anyway. So it's 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 not the pressure that something doesn't work and we have to change it. We don't have to change anything. Uh, but uh, we've got some new ideas. I also think that those matches, uh, even though you have less matches, the value can be higher. If you promote it properly, I see my 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 friends from football and out of football uh, calling me and texting me, and they are all extremely excited about about this system. Uh, blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. Real quick, DJ, refresh my memory again. How much money did you say was lost with second legs not being played? Um, let me just look it up here for a second. Uh, lose millions. There was no actual figure on it okay yeah but, they're, they're they're coming back with second legs <laughs> yeah well what he said the, there was elements. The it is. well yeah but it was i found it interesting he said you know the single leg there's there's interest in that and um okay you lose money but there's certain ways that we can promote it i'm curious yeah what that- here's my question why aren't you already incorporating those ways of promoting it if you think that there's ways of promoting your matches to make even more money what <laughs> Why aren't you already doing them with the two leg structure? Look, I, I, they're, they're, we don't live in a world anymore. This happens in American sports all the time too. When people say, "Oh, uh, you know, it would be so great if the NBA took their eighty-two game season and condensed it down to sixty, or you know, like we don't live in that world. Money is is just too much a part of sports now. We don't go less anymore. Mm. You know, the NFL is not talking about fewer games, even though player safety has become one of the forefront issues in the league. They're adding games. Like, this is just not the world we live in in sports. There's too much money based around every game, especially Champions League, you know, postseason type games. Like, we're not taking those away. Even if it is, even if you think it leads to a better product, that doesn't, unfortunately, that doesn't matter. Right. Well, there's a couple of issues there. It, there's a fairness issue. If you're a smaller club, you may have more of a chance in the, in the one-legged game for sure, but you're also going to give up that opportunity to have the second leg at your ground in front of your home fans. So the home fans will get hurt. Uh, supporters will be hurt if they go down this road. Um, also, it kind of, it doesn't make sense to me really why the clubs would go for this. Andrew, they're already losing money because of COVID-19 and have lost lots of money from COVID-19 because of the situation. Now you're going to ask bigger clubs to lose money in European competition too. They're not going to vote for that. They're not going to go for that. No, I really think him, you know, him even entertaining this conversation by talking about we may include elements or friends of mine are texting me saying how much they enjoy this. I really think he's just placating uh, fans out there who have enjoyed this. I, I think uh, that's he, all this is. I, I don't think anything serious is actually no. going to be changed structurally from how this conversation. And by the way, like we say, we really enjoyed it, but we should also say. Even with the two-leg structure, we love the Champions League. Like, right. if they were to change it, it would be a little bit of kind of messing with a good thing. Doesn't and he does acknowledge that. Yeah, he, he does. He does acknowledge that. To be fair, um, he was speaking to Rob Harris of of the Associated Press there, so maybe it's not quite the scoop. Um, 
when he talks about ideas, he seems to be more on the branding promoting side. And how much more aggressively can you uh, brand or promote the champions? You I know? know, I know. But in the end, though, um, what a great thing that today was even able to happen. Uh, because, you know, we talked about this with Kate Abdo the other day that, you know, a couple months ago, we thought, okay, maybe the domestic leagues could get back to playing again. But this sort of, you know, crisscross travel throughout Europe, uh, how are they going to do this? They're really going to go with a bubble environment. I mean, a lot of things had to happen quickly. Um, and like when you see this, JJ, uh, that on the fly, a competition like the Champions League, in which so much planning goes into it, and you know, there, like you say, the branding elements, and just like things that we can't even conceptualize in our minds that that are all factored into putting together a cha- a successful Champions League. The fact that in like the blink of an eye, they were able to throw out all of that, move everything to Portugal, change the format of the tournament, not have fans in stadiums, but like everybody seemed to be generally okay with the revenue loss. It wasn't like at, at, like we saw in baseball where they went to war over that for three months before players started playing again. Like everybody was fine with the revenue loss. Um, the fact that we got here and were able to get a Champions League that we all still felt incredibly invested in and that the games were still incredibly compelling. Think about those quarterfinals, how intense those games were. You saw the emotion today of what it meant to players after this match was was completed. So the fact that we got here today, uh, it's it's a huge success for this sport. And, you know, we talk a lot about the ugly side of FIFA and, you know, controversies and, and UEFA and different governing bodies like that. But this was this was a win for a lot of people that today was able to happen. Oh, yeah. And and even when they announced the tournament, I was like, ooh, World Cup style. I, I, I think I'll enjoy this. Well, I've I've enjoyed the last 12 days immensely. I really have. Yeah. And I don't know. It was it was almost like a condensed hit of what we usually get in the Champions League. You know, so Champions League was like pleasure overload. Like it was just too much to take at one time. It no, 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 no. It was it was a it was a heavy dose, but it was I was okay with it. Oh, okay. Right? If that makes sense. I'm trying to think of appropriate analogies. Maybe I'll I'm I'm veering out. into the world of narcotics <laughs> here, and that's not that's not acceptable. We have younger listeners, Andrew. How dare you? Yeah, it is funny though how in watching the way the champions like like I'm talking about all the things that they changed overnight to make this work, and like yeah, you know, I've been watching the NBA and NHL playoffs. All the things that were changed overnight, sending players into bubbles for months to make all these things work. Like it makes you feel like. You can never hear the excuse again, like, oh no, we just we can't do that. There's not enough time to to like change that or do this. Like it feels like if they could do some of the things that have just happened with some of these high profile competitions, then like never again should we hear excuse making. Well, we can't have a ballon d'or though, Andrew. That would uh, require too much. I was thinking about it today when they were talking about this this groundswell of people, this like online petition to just give it to Lewandowski. And they were saying, like, but there is no Ballon d'Or this year. Like it just The grandeur of-, of our the grandeur of our award. We must have an awards night. People must be in velvet. They must be dressed appropriately. We must have a red carpet. What are you talking about? It shouldn't shouldn't bother me as much as it does because I don't really care. It doesn't change the way I think. But the idea they can't have it. Right. Because we can't meet the prestige that we have placed around this, we would be doing you a disservice to to hand it out in a way that is not befitting of what we expect from ourselves. How lazy are you, France football? 
Oh man. Um, any final thoughts here? I'd kind of just written down, like if you had any, you know, PSG and Bayern aside, any overall winners and losers from the, the champions league campaign this season? Um, winners and losers from the, from the entire campaign. I mean, a couple come to mind for me quickly. Losers. I think, I think Atletico Madrid are a loser. Agreed. I think PSG, I I'm clearly a loser, right? In, in my opinion, we can, I'm sure we'll get some feedback on that. Yeah, I don't, I don't um, know if I fully agree. I mean, Manchester City, to me, are, are probably the biggest because it seemed like all of the the usual hurdles for them, you know, like Except Real Madrid. Or, <laughs> that, what a bizarre state of affairs for us to be inferring that Pep Guardiola is some sort of hurdle to his own club. Well, okay, well, maybe if he's not, even still tonight where the – on the pregame show when they were showing the major moments of the tournament, the Raheem Sterling miss came up there yeah. again. Um, Barcelona, obviously, Andrew, because they're losers in a in a larger sense. They've got such a job rebuilding rebuild or I mean, they may they may not be able to do what they need to do until they have a new political structure at the club. So it's 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 really difficult for Ronald Koeman. They're a major loser. Um I'm trying to think. Uh, I think winners. I think French football has been a winner. Okay. Um, I think. I think just this tournament again. The fact that it produced such enjoyable football. I mean, it really has. Its knockout stages have become just such highly charged, entertaining, must-see sports over the last maybe would I say decade, maybe say seven or eight years. So that continued. That did not. That was not quelled by uh, by the pandemic or the changed circumstances whatsoever. No, certainly not. Um, I've been trying to decide whether or not I would view Atalanta as a winner, given the way their Champions League campaign started, given the underdog stature of that club, uh, given everything that happened around them in Bergamo, uh, in that yeah. city with the coronavirus. Um, hard, uh, hard not to pick um, Atalanta as a winner. I think they are. Well, a winner. It, it, the only problem is they're. The way they went out was just so spectacular. And if you're a fan of that club, I hate to say it, but like it was just so heartbreaking that I feel like the whole campaign is is defined by it. And I'm not I, usually I'm not usually that guy. Like I believe I, I, that that joy can be taken in defeat, but when the defeat is like that, it's it's hard to see the rest of of the picture. I know what you're saying, and and it will it will hurt, and I'm sure it still hurts. But if you look at their just the genuine gen, general overall picture of this team. It's the second season where they've been absolutely one of the best teams in Italy. They play a brand of football that everyone can get behind. They have players who, I mean, some of them in, in the case of Ilicic should be over the hill and are, perfor- are performing at a, like the highest standard. Uh, Gomez too, guys like that. I think, I think a third place finish in Syria and a dramatic exit to the money side in European football. I, I, in the fullness of time, when the sting goes away, they'll look back with pride. And especially considering the awful backdrop to all of this, of the huge amount of debts in that part of Italy, maybe it'll take time. Yeah. And, and I would throw one other loser in there as well that I was just thinking about. Um, Juventus, I think I would include in that. Just oh, yeah. because like sort of sort of in a Bayern type of way and a PSG type of way, their domestic success has become boring. And it's why they go out and they get Cristiano Ronaldo because they're tired of just the same thing every year. It was about winning this competition. That's why, that's why you get Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> I know that's 
tongue in cheek. Very my much. My cheek so. is my cheek is full of tongue right now. But right? I'm saying, but like they they went out oh, and they got. I'm sorry, that sounds Lord in heaven. Good lord, We're trying to veer away from PG thirteen material. Is that PG thirteen? I have no idea. But anyway. like you, you got Ronaldo, and you know, I don't know, just uh, just felt like for them to go out where they did in this competition, it was. It was a, it was certainly it was too soon. It was just too early for that to have happened. Um, so yeah, yeah, not, not what they not what they wanted to get out of this uh, this tournament as well. No, and certainly uh, an ownership that's as aggressive in its plans for European football for them not being a, for them not being able to win the competition they think they're too good for. The Agnellis must must feel that sting. <laughs> uh, so there you go. I don't have much else. I think that is pretty much a wrap on this. I think that's it, Andrew. It, it simply remains for us to have a nice glass of Portuguese wine and, and, and sit back in our reclining chairs in our studies and take a deep breath and reflect. I love just sometimes having a, a good long think. Uh, I, I really want to give people just a quick insight. Andrew is, you know, he's as big a, a soccer fan as you can possibly get, way beyond his own team, Tottenham. But he is so daunted by what the Sixers did today. <laughs> you love it. Look how happy you are. You the don't even care, got... but you're just like so happy that they that they were embarrassed. Oh, prayers up, guys, for little Dicky. By they... the way, big big. Uh, can I can I take a screenshot of your hair just for an update? Can you adjust the camera? People need to see the state of it right now. How long it is? So, all right. Um, and I'll tell you what. Enjoy it while you can, because I have an, a hair appointment scheduled for Tuesday. Put down the front because you have the front swept back just a little bit. Put uh, down the front. Just no, this is what. All right, okay. How it is? Hold your head straight. Here we go. Andrew hair update. Got it. Wow. It's all gonna be gone. It'll all just be a distant memory. Uh, there was a period of time where I felt like I had found the long-haired me sweet spot, but it's it's. I think and this you've pic- gone past it. This picture won't ju- do it justice because I think it actually looks relatively uh in check right now but like it's become it's become annoying and a nuisance where i can't do things without like my bangs like covering my (laughs) eyes i do i have long bangs that cover my eyes it's like (laughs) oh man you look like the the bassist from oasis who left in like 1991 because he thought the band wasn't going anywhere did that happen? I don't know their history well enough. No, I don't. I don't think anyone left. I mean, there was people left during the the good times there, uh, Bonehead and and guys like that. But you look, you've got that Oasis style mop. That's well, it's all right it's all going to be gone soon. All right. Um, well. Over the course of this week, I guess this gives us a chance to watch the Anelka documentary. Yeah, we need to watch the Anelka documentary. And what you guys need to do is, if you haven't caught up on our podcast from last week, we have Kate Abdo. We have the loads of Champions League content that's still worth listening to, I believe. And um, also, our back catalog of podcasts includes Kate Abdo, John Champion, Guy Mowbray. Even in the pandemic, we've been pulling out some really big stars for this podcast. And uh, you should go on iTunes and uh, give us a rating. Five star, please. And I'll tell you what, it's borderline shocking uh, how quickly our season previews are now going to have to be thrown together. Because like with this with this schedule, the, the calendar is unbelievable. Um, so we'll be getting season previews together. We'll start to, I guess, get help a fan ready um, for those who are still somehow searching for a Premier League club to latch on to. Um, yes. And- so we'll release that to help you with that. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. 
It's good to be with you, my friend. The football, it will never stop for us. We'll be trapped in our apartments forever doing this. Oh, one day we'll we'll see each other in person again. I can't wait. Can we hug? Will we be able to hug? I'm going to hug you anyway. Okay. Whether you like it or not. No, no, I can't wait. I can't Big wait. Big aggressive hug. Well, hey, this was fun, man. Champions League is a wrap. Bayern Munich, 1-0 over PSG. To you, I say... Check you later, fun boy. See ya. Take care.